What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast on Halloween night. John, how were the how, how was the trick-or-treating with the kids? It was good. We did a few blocks. Um, it was about as long as last. We actually hit a, we had a, hit a lot more houses than I expected, so it was a lot of fun. My kids had fun. Um, Chloe had a blast. Though she kept getting worried that we were going to leave her. She kept like, <laughs> we kept going like, no, go to the next house. And then we just start moving and start going. She's like, wait, no, no, don't go without me. We're like, no. I don't know. She had like a long day. She had school, the parade, and then she had um, you know trick or treating at night. So, and Hunter, he was so tired. He we we pushed him in. He's he's only seventeen months, so we pushed him in a a little uh, play car, you know, little, and he was just like falling asleep in there. <laughs> he has a little bucket, and people were coming out and giving him candy, and he was just like chilling. So, but they had a good time. I think I think Chloe was scared because uh, this time last year when you told me this same story, she was just going into everybody's house. I know this year she would get scared if they had decorations up. Even though she wanted to go drive around and look at decoration, when she got close, she would get scared. So there was uh, most houses were pretty tame. I mean, with decorations, there's one house that had something that popped out, and that was really cool. And there were some teenage boys that tried to scare us like, <laughs> i guess they try to look like the purge or something i don't know, I don't know. It's just a bunch of dorks and then um but you know we, i probably did the same thing when i was at their age absolutely um all right so lots of stuff going on today uh the wwe crown jewel show happened i saw two <coughs> excuse me i saw two matches and neither match was you know, neither match was very good, um, but one left me way more pissed off than the other, and and I'm going to take the full blame for this because even though I refused to watch full episodes of Raw or SmackDown, I kind of got sucked in to the Brock Lesnar versus Kane Velasquez story, and I know it wasn't the best thing. Kane is not super charismatic, but I watched UFC, and I know that in his prime, Cain Velasquez was a badass, and he fought Brock Lesnar and beat Brock Lesnar. And when Brock was not 100%, Brock was um, going through some some health issues back then, but he uh, he was a badass. And so when I saw the build or I saw the idea for Brock versus Cain, even though it was at this show, which I don't do not stand for necessarily, I don't agree with the show at all. I thought, you know what, I just want to see what they do, because if they have a half-decent idea, Brock is good enough, Kane is athletic, and they're both real fighters, so I think they could do something interesting. And so, I turn on the show, it's the opening match, obviously Brock wants to go home, so I'm watching it, and you know, Kane is like throwing kicks, and I'm like thinking like, hmm... I mean, I'm sure he, I mean, you know, he threw low kicks and stuff in in MMA. He wasn't necessarily someone who was throwing high kicks at the head and stuff, but he's like kind of throwing body kicks. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't necessarily see Kane like that. Usually you see Kane boxing and opening up his his hands game so that it could set up takedowns. I was like, okay. And then, uh, you know, Brock is playing um, the way that he's fighting back is he's just tying Kane up. So he's kind of tying him up, pushing him back into the corner. And then all of a sudden, he gets a Kimura in. And I'm thinking like, okay, Kane is actually kind of far away from the ropes. 
So he's either submitting here or he is, you know, he, he is going to somehow heroically, like a great baby face, fight to get to this rope to uh, to break the hold and to, to live to, to fight again. And no, he tapped. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell did I just watch? And why did why do I spend time watching this stuff when I know it's just going to be a letdown? I was. I, this is the only the only match I watched was this match because there's a lot going on this week and today especially. And it was like, there's no way I, I'm gonna watch this whole show. And so I had to at least get this match in because you know this is a big topic. And I can't believe what I saw. <laughs> it was like this is what they came up with. I don't know if I'm try, I was trying to try to make sense out of it all. Right? I was trying to trying to get into the mind of Vince and. And try to see what he's thinking. I can only think that he's like, we can't have a guy who's only had a few months of training and only done lucha matches go in there and beat Brock in a pro wrestling match. But maybe they're, and then hopefully that he can kind of, you know, rebuild himself, train, get better. It's like building up footage of him training, 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 getting better, getting more comfortable with pro wrestling. But, and they have a rematch, and of course, maybe can't win that one. But, but they had a basically an MMA match, MMA match, right? I mean, it was worked an MMA fight. It wasn't worked a pro wrestling match. It was like a, a, a you know, first round submission victory. You know, it was just all it was. So I don't know, man. I don't. Maybe they just figured Kane doesn't have it, and let's just get over this and. Maybe Vince is done with Kane, but he signed a what a couple year deal, right? So he's in for multi matches. So yeah, who knows what that really means? Ronda Ronda Rousey signed for a three year deal too. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. It was just a it was a bummer. It was a letdown. I'd rather see something cool, something interesting happen, but it just just didn't. And he just tapped, and it was like the camera angle was off. You couldn't even see he was tapped. It was just it was just nothing. Like nothing. I don't expect. Kane to kind of hang with Brock in a pro wrestling match. I know he can do a couple things, and he's you know he's very talented and with the lucha style, you know, already in his short career. But I just don't, you know, I don't think he can have the Brock Lesnar match right now. So, but st- this was match was totally wasted on the show. It should have been built for a big rating on a SmackDown or or a, a big pay per view like Survivor Series or something like that. It's just. I don't know. It's really frustrating. It's just one of those just head scratching things of 2019 because of pro wrestling and WWE for the most time when it comes to main roster stuff has been the forefront of it. Okay, so let's say and now, now I understand there are, there are lots of people who are like you know what Kane is not is not charismatic. He's not uh, someone that can come in right away and and just really create a buzz. Like I get it. That's not his personality at all. But. He did whip Brock Lesnar's ass in a real fight, so he's got that for him at least. And I don't know if UFC gives you that footage, but gosh, like that footage alone, you could you didn't even have to bring him in to do anything, and all you had to do was play that footage, uh, you know, a couple weeks before this match, and and shits on like that's that's awesome. And so, you know, they decided to. 
I guess, make him very much inferior to Brock as a way to say that our guy, you know, is the best guy. But, I mean, now they're both your guy. Like, that's the part that I don't get is, which is, let's say you don't think Kane is on Brock's level. That's fine. He he may not be as a pro wrestler, especially, and very few are. But he's a baby face uh, to a Hispanic audience. Uh, and, you know, some of the naysayers may say Hispanic Americans and, you know, he doesn't speak Spanish or whatever so that, you know, maybe the Mexican, hardcore Mexican fans won't won't really be into him. But I think, you know, for AAA, they were into him. So if you have this possibility and you can get two or three matches out of him, that's something that is much better than where I imagine they're going today. Um because what's next for Brock? Is he just going to recycle feuds? Is he going to move on to the Fiend? Um, you know, are we going to do more more Seth, more Roman, Randy Orton? Like, he's faced all of these guys. But at least you could have done a three-match program with Kane, and it would have been different, and it could have been... Um, it could have been intriguing for, you know, the crossover fan or whatever, the MMA fan... And like I said, you know, you just play that video and you show that he really kicked his ass. And, you know, it's interesting. And But, you know, even if he's going to lose this match, let's say that Kane is going to lose. You know, that Brock is the champion. He's probably going to win. Doesn't Kane have a bad wheel in real life? Can't he, you know, can't Brock take advantage of that bad wheel? And Kane is the valiant babyface, you know, withstains punishment, punishment, punishment. And then, and then maybe he taps. Or... Maybe Brock uses a little heel chicanery to to actually, you know, beat Kane as well. It's just like, why would you waste the guy in his first opportunity, you know, first impressions? You, n- you never get a chance to do that again. And now to this WWE fan base, they're like, ah, oh, this Kane guy, he kind of sucks. Like, I mean, I saw that on Twitter when I when I put, tweeted what I tweeted, which is, you know, is it in WWE's business plan just to, you know, just to let fans down, like. You, you promote, promote, promote this match is a big deal. And then it's two minutes and it sucks. And now, you know, now, now what? And and people were replying back to me going, oh, of course, Kane was going to lose. He's not on Brock's level. I was like, on Brock's level in what? <laughs> he beat his ass in real life. What are you talking about? It's like, oh, he's, he's not he's not the pro wrestler that Brock is. I'm like, yeah, he's you know, he's brand new. But as we saw in AAA, he could do some stuff. He's athletic. They just didn't let him do it. And they're like, oh, what's AAA? Okay, I know who I'm talking to now. So, I don't know. I just I just felt so let down. But I blame myself because, you know, I, I deserve to be let down when I keep thinking that they're going to do something. And they rarely, you know, it's it's the whole thing of, you know, you and I work in, in, our, in our industries. And, you know, the, the common uh, cliche is uh, under promise and over deliver, right? in your job under promise over deliver WWE is the exact opposite they do the exact opposite of that cliche and so you know i was disappointed probably my fault i shouldn't be so excited about stuff it just it just makes me want to watch them less and less and less though they just had brock like in the beginning you know maybe a little cocky out wrestling him you know you're in my world now kane right this is a whole different ball game in a pro wrestling ring, just overly cocky, and then one big liver, you know, punch by Kane, one big right hand by Kane. Now Brock is really another big right hand. Now it's looking like, like their match at the UFC, their fight at the UFC, 
And then, you know, Brock gets desperate, just low blows him. DQ. Then starts, you know, getting a chair and beating his ass. Maybe he takes a chair to that bad wheel that Kane is known for having and takes him out like that. So now he's, you know, now you build up a story of redemption or revenge with uh, Kane coming at Brock. And you just show Kane trading like a madman like he does to AKA Jim here in San Jose. And then you have a match at the Royal Rumble, you know, or if you're not going to do that at Mania, then you know, Rumble would be perfect, right? I mean, that'd be a yeah perfect setup for that. And then you do whatever you need to do. And then you do the match that where Brock beats Kane or, or you know, or, or if it's hot enough and maybe Brock does something similar and sneaks away. And then at WrestleMania, they finally have their, their final battle. And this is this time, you know, Brock finally puts him away. Like, it doesn't. It's not that hard to book this stuff half the time. You know what I mean? Like, but I don't know. I just don't. Maybe just someone got sour on him and just said, "Oh shit, man." Maybe he's gonna. Maybe it was those punches he threw at Sheldon Benjamin on that <laughs> raw just said, "Oh shit, let's, let's 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 move on now." Well, I just go back to that very first SmackDown, where Kane comes out, and Brock looks like he's seen a ghost. And that moment told me this was that they took this thing seriously. And I guess I should have not felt that way. I should have felt that, you know, this was all about Brock, you know, quickly winning and getting his win back, even though this this win was fake. Uh, and because it's just that moment where I was like, oh, wow, Brock respects this moment. Paul respects this moment. They're actually going to do business. And they absolutely didn't do business. I, I don't know. It's just weird. Just, yeah, well, because he... How much true power Paul has, you know, not much, you know, when I it guess. comes to the final say, Vince. But that's everyone in that whole company, right? Vince has the final say, and he, he, went, <coughs> he went. I don't know. I disagree with this one big time. Um, so the the other match that I was interested in was the Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman, not because I thought it was going to be a classic, not because I thought, you know, that that Tyson Fury was uh, going to become, you know, this this real superstar. It, I mean, it was barely a match. Tyson Fury is not a pro wrestler. Uh, he he knocked Braun Strowman out of the of the ring, and then uh, Braun Strowman took a ten count on the outside, so he won by count out. And then Braun Strowman came in and gave him his finisher and and uh, to get his heat back a little bit. Uh, Tyson Fury did an Undertaker sit up during the match. Um, he also did a. Uh, you know, you know when Braun does that thing where he does the he does the run around the ring to to, to that shoulder block, um, he got caught. Uh, Tyson Fury caught him with the like a flying kick, like what 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 that that move that Roman Reigns does. Uh, I forget what they call it, but that yeah that like yeah like that. And so that was kind of interesting, but you know that that match was what it was. It 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 sucked if you were going to rate it as a match. You know, it is a an old uh, Wrestling Observer uh, newsletter uh, rating. It was a dud, but you know Tyson Fury is an, an intriguing guy and he's charismatic, and and it was it was okay for what it was. But I didn't watch anything else because I didn't. After that first match, I was like, just like, nope, I'm just turning this thing off. I I don't want to even bother with this show. Uh, and the Fiend beat Seth Rollins for the championship in the main event, and um. My only question is, if The Fiend was going to win the title, why didn't he win it at Hell in a Cell? And why does he win it on this show 
uh, on a Thursday morning that, you know, probably I'm, I'm guessing half the people watched that watched Hell in a Cell. Like maybe, maybe you know, maybe this is sort of a shakeup for uh, for the, the shows because of ratings and, you know, because Seth is such a terrible uh, baby face star. But I don't know. I just felt like that if they were going to do it, they should have did it at Hell in a Cell when, you know, when we were talking about it, where the fiend felt hot as hell. And now he just feels like just maybe not the same as everyone else, but not very much higher than everybody else. Yeah, maybe they're just like, you know, people are not going to, not a lot of people watch it in live. They'll find out about the title change, they'll watch it replay, and then those who don't have the network will hear about the title change <coughs> and then want to check in on Raw, you know, or what is SmackDown? He's on SmackDown, right? The Fiend? So maybe. I, I, yeah, so I think. Um, maybe they want, I mean, it's like a ratings ploy to kind of. Check in to see what happened with not not just Kane and Brock and Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman, but now hey, let's see what the how the Fiend is a champion on on SmackDown next day. Yeah, I, I think uh, heading into Survivor Series, which they have said NXT is going to be part of. Um, if they do it like last year, are they going to do the Fiend versus Brock? And if they add NXT to the mix, is Adam Cole going to be in this match? Like, what are they going to do for Survivor Series? I don't know. I, I When I saw just a little graphic about NXT being involved in Survivor Series, I was just picturing maybe that they would have their own match, you know, which I think would be best. Um, yeah, I, I would want to keep them away from WWE booking because if, if history is uh you know is the truth for us here that they're just there to do the job yeah or this is an opportunity to put them on uh, the main roster feature and you know give them a big win or feature them to where people want to you know more people want to tune in on that wednesday to help help move that rating up too as well so. but that would be the right thing to do i know and i know i mean i don't have any faith right now at least with the at least with the uh the main roster part of it, you know, I, you know, I definitely have faith in the NXT brand. I just don't have faith in how they handle the NXT call-ups and stuff. But I'm hoping maybe Triple H is like, hey, pops, you know, like maybe uh, I can get I can get uh, a match on there with the, the guys, the girls, or both. You know, maybe the girls do a a pre-show and the men get a, the main card spot, you know, with a yeah, Survivor Series style match. You know, that that'd be cool. And maybe there are a few uh, sprinkled in here on uh, some teams or something like that. What did they decide to do? But I, I have a feeling they're going to put over NXT in that show. I, I have a feeling. Uh, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. Um, I mean, it's probably be egg in my face, <laughs> but I'm just. I just think they. I think they'll. I don't know. I don't, I, do you think they're going to compete against each other? That's the idea. Is that the gimmick? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, exactly sure because they have one foe, and that is AEW. <laughs> it is not their own brands. Um, I, I don't know what, what they're going to do or how you do it. I, like you uh, uh, suggested, I would either give them their own uh, Survivor Series match, like whatever. Like the, the problem is, is they're doing a show the night before, right? So... Uh, they've already announced war games for that show with the women, uh, with Shayna uh, and Rhea as the captains. So they're doing that match on the night before. So what would you come back with on Sunday? I guess maybe your main event, babyface versus heel, undisputed era versus 
Riddle and Keith Lee and Dijak and whomever else, maybe something like that. But I, I would make it separate because I would not want Vince having any hand in booking these guys because he's just going to job them. And um, or I would just keep them off the show altogether. But that's not the deal because they already said that they're going to be part of the show. Yeah. And plus, I hope they don't mix them in because it doesn't do the main roster any good for these guys that come in and NXT guys that come in and beat their guys. Right. Like just because they're not gonna, they're, they won't be on TV the next the next day. For their show, let's say, I don't know. I just wouldn't do it. I just keep it separate. I think that I think that'd be fine. It'd be cool, you know, like uh, NXT featured match, and you have, like I said, your top four baby faces versus the Undisputed Era, and some and another heel, or or or, or I think it was a four on four now, not five on five. I think five on five in the old school way, but yeah, you know, something like that. I mean, that's what I, that's what I would do at least. So. Uh, WWE Financials also came out today for their third quarter. Um, a lot of their um, of their tracking metrics that show, you know, sort of how hot and cold they are. You know, the the network, uh, house show attendance. Um, we already know the ratings. All that stuff is down. Um, even even like merch stuff is way down. Especially the online stuff. I think I think the actual house show merch was up a little bit, but. Um, that you know that stuff caused the the stock to go down about 10 bucks today i know i know people think that it went down because they have a show in saudi arabia no that was not the case it was all because of the of the um the financial stuff but you know for the for the the you know for the money the the actual revenue and and the profit you know it's the most that they're going to ever do uh they're going to break their own record again because of these crazy tv deals so um, the, the, their, their, their pocketbooks are, are in fantastic shape, but the other metrics are, are really down. And I wonder at what point, um, that starts to wreak havoc on them, but you know, I, that, that's more for, uh, for the observer when it comes out. I know big Dave is, is, uh, he still hasn't put it out yet. So he's probably working his, but I'm, this was probably the worst day of his, of his writing year because he had to cover this the Saudi Arabia show he had to cover the AEW NXT ratings the WWE financials so the poor guy had so much stuff to do today so um you never, but you never, you never know what breaking news is happening right now right oh my god yeah so we'll, we'll see what happens with Smackdown tomorrow that's the only thing that I'll say um so the other the other part of this is um obviously NXT and we've been covering NXT and AEW as uh, as the shows on the Wednesday Night War. I will say that this is the first time, and I don't know if it's because this week was busier than any other week or whatever, where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, wrestling's on Wednesday. This is fun. And by the end of the AEW show, I was like, I don't know. I'm, am, am, I getting, am I getting bored of this? Am I not? Is it not hot to me anymore? And then I watch NXT this morning. And I sort of thought the same thing, though, you know, both shows were fine. I, I, I you know, if gun to my head, uh, I, I like the NXT show a little bit better. But this was the first week where I was like, now it's just feeling like routine. Whereas in the first several weeks of this, it felt sort of hot and, and interesting. And, and I was so much looking forward to it. But this was the first week where I felt like, hmm, this is kind of the routine. And I'm not sure if I'm looking super into this for the you know, for the near future. Yeah, it's starting to be a little bit of a chore, you know, especially for me because, uh, you know, we record Thursday nights and I have to get 
I had to do both in one night. And actually, for me, last night I was I was a little worried because I was I was I was, was kind of tired going in, and I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna be struggling. But I was I was good. I was good for both shows. I actually, was lucky and started early, and I have a great wife. And I told her I got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> and work to do is watching these wrestling shows. <laughs> Um, but I, I liked both shows a lot. I thought it was a really good night for both. Um, like you, I, I, I slightly like NXT better. I thought, but I thought AEW's first hour was really good. Like, you know what, what, which is hilarious. Except that, except that the women's that, match. That long match. You know, it, it's, it's hilarious because, you know, I'm watching this show with Big Dave and I, I we're both just kind of like you know waiting for something to happen waiting for something to happen and i i tweeted out that you know i was like this is the first time i've ever watched AEW where i kind of had a little bit of an inclination to turn over to the other show to see what's going on cuz i was kind of bored and that was during the whole first hour um i think they saved their heavyweights for that second hour though you did have the Jericho and Cody stuff i think right at the end of that first hour but you know you had the you had the Bucks and you had old Kenny and you had you know the you know the Moxley interview so they saved everything for the end but I don't know I was just kind of like okay this is a little bit ho hum to me I I didn't know if it was because they knew they were going against World Series and the World Series did uh, I think 23, 23 million viewers which is the lowest game seven uh, of a World Series ever so they had that. But, you know, it was still a giant number compared to, to everything else. So both shows were down. I think NXT was down to about something like 750,000 viewers. And NXT was, un, was I don't know, 600,000 viewers. Something like that. Under 600,000 viewers. And so, you a, know. There was a bigger, definitely a bigger drop with um, AEW compared to NXT, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, a, a, NX, that, that's been happening the last few weeks. NXT's... Uh, number it keeps going down, but it goes down at a at a lower percentage than NXT's, and you know whatever that means, we'll we'll see where that bottoms out. But you know they'll come back next week. They won't have the World Series, and then the following week they won't have the World Series. And I imagine those their numbers will be up closer to where they were two weeks ago versus uh, or or three weeks ago actually before the World Series started. It's, it's funny how you say like this. Like the second hour, the first hour you weren't really into, but the second hour you, were, I guess, you're into a little more. Which it was opposite for me. Like I was kind of like bored, not bored, but just kind of like just over it with the uh, six man tag with the elite versus Jack Evans and Helico and uh, who was it, Kip Saban, right? Mm-hmm, I was kind of mm-hmm. just like watching it numb, like because. They're just doing their thing. Like I, I, didn't, I was expecting, I was hoping something with Moxie would happen. Yeah, but nothing did. It was just them like goofing off, you know. Um, well, they I, had they had the thing with Ortiz and Santana yeah, at the end, but, which I which I thought was overkill. Like they had a great, you know, a, a great angle when they took out the Rock and Express on hour one, and I thought like maybe like they should have left it at that, because like when they attacked. The young bucks. It wasn't like a long, prolonged, brutal attack. It was like a couple punches, a couple scraps, and they and they ran off. It wasn't like anything that's like truly heat getting, in my opinion. You know, like I thought, I thought it was like just like too much, right? Um, the Moxie promo was fine. I just didn't like him moving around. I know he's supposed to be different. They want to be different than WWE, but it's not being different WWE. It's just it's just facts. Like when you're cutting a promo, you should look straight into the camera 
and because when you move around the camera has to follow you it gets kind of distracting and i know he's supposed to be different than everyone else but at the same time like it was just distracting and kind of jumbled and you know i i didn't think it was I don't think it was as good as people were saying that what Chrome was. I thought it was so, fine, but but like I, I think he should have just been more intense and look into that camera, talk to the people, talk to Omega, and really sell me on this. Like this is gonna be crazy. And what what do you think about this whole like match non sanction and it's not gonna count against your records stuff? Or like are they healing up their gimmick or <laughs> or what? That was, that was a weird thing because I'm like yeah, that kind of makes no sense. Like why am I even doing this match right? If it's not gonna count so so you know you know what I really think it is. I think it's an excuse to put it after the title match. I think by making it this like non-sanctioned match, it's sort of like, okay, we're going to have our show. And then when that show is over, we will do this match. Because if you remember the last pay-per-view, um, you know, they, they, uh, the way that they had structured the 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 title match with you know the Jericho match going last whereas the Young Bucks match was maybe the fans at least in the building were looking a little bit more forward to that match so I think they're trying to figure out what's the match that that people want to see most and I don't know it's interesting you know it's interesting trying to trying to figure out how to do that because you know the the way that the way that we sort of understand it or the way that we like it is you know always the title match is the main event and that's the should be the match that's been built up the most, but I will say, because Omega and uh, Moxley, they or, they already had to delay that match. I think that's the match I'm looking most forward to on this pay per view show. Even though Jericho and Cody has been built up so well, uh, just out of a wrestling match, wrestling match, I kind of want to see what Omega and Moxley can do. But again, I'm looking at it from the vantage point of I think Kenny Omega could be an absolute superstar if uh, if they showcase him correctly and so i'm so intrigued on, on how this match turns out and and really how good both of these guys are um in this in this format because i i think omega is really good but again you know he he's he was had great matches against really great guys i think moxley is probably a little bit overrated but he proved in the g1 that he can have these you know these really good matches you know with with uh I mean, sort of like a no holds barred kind of kind of match, right? Like the, that's what he really excelled in in the G one was where they they allowed the, you know, the referee to turn a, turn his uh, turn a blind eye a couple times. So I, I'm that. really interested in that match. <laughs> Don't they do that in every New Japan match? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I, I know. You know it's, fu- it's so funny you say this because, like, to me, I, the thing I can't wait to see, like, I'm hyped for is Jericho and Cody. I just think they're gonna have a great match and. Um, you know, like I said, we talk about this every week. Like Cody, when he comes booking his stuff, it's like always really good, right? Uh, to me, to me, for me, it just seems Omega and Moxley is very cold. I, I would just open with the show with it, non-sanctioned, wild brawl, and then you kind of cool things down with other stuff, and then and then you have it on the opposite end, just like how I talked about the was the All In show or whatever, where I said put the ladder match first. And you end it with the the title match, so it's all it's far from each other. Where it's not gonna, you have time for people to kind of come back down and build, be built back up. But there's gonna be a lot of matches where they're gonna be the crowds gonna be either action, action, action. Because you got the Young Bucks versus Proud and you know, whatever LAX, whatever they're called now. And <laughs> um, you know, you're gonna have a lot of these crazy matches. A Jericho, uh, Page and Pac is gonna be really good. Yeah. Um, so there's. <laughs> 
I don't know. There is a cool down moment for the crowd. Maybe the women's match, whatever that's going to be. <coughs> Sakura, I think it is getting the title shot, right? Is that what it is? I've been hearing. So, so the the thing that I was actually interested in more so than anything else with the Moxley stuff is, I was trying to figure out why he is trying to heal on the company when the company itself is just as big of a baby face as the biggest baby face they have on the roster that fan base loves the aew brand the crowd loves the aew idea and so why would moxley if he is trying to do stone cold steve austin why would he heal on a uh, a company that is not the heel why would he try to make them the heel yeah i don't know it, that whole thing with Tony Khan in the locker room, I thought was kind of cheesy and didn't really make sense to me. But but I can see they want him to be Tony Khan wants Moxley to be Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? He wants him to be. You never know what he's gonna do. He's the, he's gonna be the new rattlesnake and yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I think I'll, I, see. I, I think, wouldn't. I wouldn't make him Stone Cold. I would make him more Roddy Piper. Um, but. I get the fascination with Austin, but he, there's no way you're setting him up for failure if you expect him to be Austin because Austin was just like, he was just in a zone for those two years and untouchable. I don't know if anyone ever gets there again from, from a persona standpoint. That, yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. Is he's going to be like Austin in 96, right? Just a heel first, which fans cheer him. As early heels and baby faces in AEW, fans just love everyone on the promotion. Um, and he's gonna end up getting like a you know great match with Jericho, babyface out of it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. I still think they'll have a a wild and crazy match, and it's gonna people are gonna love it. And you know, big risks, which is I think is like, then why did you waste Omega doing big risks with Joey Janela on a yep. YouTube yep. show? Right? Yep. I think that was stupid. And... So uh, you like NXT, huh? I, I like. I mean, I would say I like it a little bit better. Because, but see, the thing is, is the problem with NXT for me is NXT is first and foremost a wrestling show, whereas I see AEW as um, there is wrestling, but they are trying to create characters and they're trying to get over certain people. I think it's pretty apparent. You know, you see Cody with Tony with Tony Schiavone and. You know, Cody's, Tony, uh, Cody's talking about, you know, doing a match and his mom's going to be there and, and and stuff like that where you're trying to build him, which I think is, is really cool. I don't know if I really like that segment as much as everyone else did, but that's cool. And, and whereas NXT is like, look, we have these really good wrestlers, we have these really good athletes, we're going to do angles, but we're not going to really prop up any single person uh, over the brand. And that is like WWE, right? Like that's kind of how WWE works. Um, I would love to see them at least put the spotlight on a couple guys more than they do. But because to me, everyone seems that like they're at the same level. Like if you're a top guy, no matter if you're a champion or not, you're sort of at the same level. Like Matt Riddle, you know, Matt Riddle got pinned in the main event, but he's no, he, even if he doesn't have the title, he's no higher or lower uh, than Adam Cole or then Undisputed Era or, or then, you know, the top five or six guys in that company. They're all sort of at the same level and they're all really good. And so they all have really good matches. 
I just like the difference in the two shows, whereas AEW is trying to show you, like, okay, everybody's pretty cool, but these guys are a little bit cooler. And in NXT, it's like, they're what they're trying to say is everybody's a little bit cooler, but I don't think that can actually happen. Um, but from a wrestling standpoint, I think, you know, if you are there to watch a wrestling-centric show, NXT is going to be the better show, at least to me, every week. Um, because, you know, fundamentally, these guys are these guys are better. The matches make a little bit more sense. Um, whereas AEW, you know, you're going to have more green talent. And sometimes that actually works to their advantage because I like the way that some of these guys try and do stuff to stand out. It doesn't always work. Sometimes it does work. But there's this variation. And that's why I kind of like watching both shows because they're so different. But I will say that the reason why I like this NXT show better is because it just felt so much more organized. It felt like there was a plan there and they went everything to plan and this is what they're building to and they just did the show. Whereas in AEW, I felt like some of it is a little schizophrenic in some instances. Like you have you have the Rock and Roll Express come out and they're supposed to um, you know, showcase these world championships, which they eventually did, but the first time you see them, Private Party comes out. And I'm like, oh, this is actually cool. Like this young tag team who was not even alive when the Rock and Roll Express were like in their prime, they're meeting the Rock and Roll Express. And when does it happen? It happens during the stupid commercial. And so this is something that I'm actually interested in because I love the Rock and Roll Express. I want to hear Ricky Morton, you know, talk his 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 lingo. And then it's in the it's in the thing and I can't hear anything and I can only see it. And then you watch NXT, whenever they do that picture in picture, it's always during a match so that you don't really, you know, you can sort of see it. You don't need the acoustics. You don't need the sound to necessarily see what's going on. I don't I don't like that either, but it's it's way better than when Ricky and Robert are talking and I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're saying. Or even uh, 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 Sadio Guevara like cut a promo on the camera and it was during the commercial. So you only saw his lips move and you didn't hear him. So unless you're a lip reader, you have no idea what he said. Like that kind of stuff is a little schizophrenic to me. And I'm, I'm a little bit like when it comes to the organization, NXT has that stuff down a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, NXT is going to do what they've been doing. They're not changing anything. They're not hot shotting to kind of compete with AEW. I mean, they are competing, but they're not they're not. Well, they tried, changing, and they and they decided. Yeah, yeah, they they decided to just be as disciplined to their own stuff as possible. I think they just been since the just the get. Uh, you know, um, they, you know, they had a big angle with Finn, which is you know that's and, but yeah, you're right. Like when it comes to production and structure of a show, like you just you know they've been doing it for too long. They know, you know, AEW. I'll be I'll, I'll defend them. They you know they they're new, they're fresh, right? They're learning as they go. In each show, they're learning. But yeah, this one I thought they made a little bit, a little bit more of those mistakes. Like, obviously, too much time for those women, right? I like I like Hikaru Shida. She's attractive. She's beautiful. Um, but like, she shouldn't be going that long, right? With a girl that's green as well. You know, I actually, I actually liked Brian Alvarez's suggestion, which was, if you if you want to focus ten minutes of your TV on her. Why don't you do a two-minute introduction video, a six-minute match, and then a two-minute segment after where she cuts a promo, whether she speaks English or, or, or not? And that 
I think does more for her than having her win a 10 minute match against a woman I've never seen before in my life. Yeah, and, and yeah, no, I agree. That's cool. That's totally, I would do, I would love to do like a little highlight video. Who is she? You know, what's she about? You know, go go through a little history. Of it. You know, it doesn't have to be a long video, but just enough to give some info. I thought that NXT did a good job with that. They had a lot of a lot of little videos on different talent throughout the show, which I thought was was really good. And we talked about that too. You know, that we hope they would start featuring these little segments like this to kind of like highlight talent coming up or current talent they've been showing. Uh, but yeah, I mean that and that girl Sh- Shauna. I mean she was she was attractive and she was all right. But like, man, did did, did some could someone tell her to don't go to the Kenny Omega over acting school? You know, like t- relax with the facials, man. Oh my god, I was like, was she a former mime or something like that? And before I started wrestling, I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop your overreact overacting. It was like, oh. My God, I was so frustrated. And also, like, you could have cut that match down, and then we could have seen entrances for our main event. Right? Like, were you frustrated with that? I was. Like, no intros for the Lucha Brothers or SCU. Like, the main event just starts start, starts cold with the in-ring introductions. That's definitely a timing issue. It's not like they just wanted... They did not want to do that, I'm sure. But they had a rush to get... They only had, like, what, 15 minutes left in the show yeah. to get this match. And then they had this... This match of craziness with all these moves, because that's what the Lucha Brothers do, and mm-hmm. and then what happens in the finish? Small package, <laughs> which always drives me nuts. I'm like, if you're gonna do a match with big moves, big moves, it better be a fucking big move that's gonna win this match, not a wrestling hold. Like I didn't think, and you can just hear it in Jim Ross's, you know, voice, like. And they win it with a wrestling hold, like you know, <laughs> uh, that 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 was uh, that was frustrating. That felt like they're just. I mean, I know that was a planned finish, but like, I don't understand why they just have something more. It's more of a more of a, a final finish on that. It's just I don't know who they're trying to protect there. The Lucha Bros for what? I mean, I think, yeah, that was pretty frustrating that match. And then on the other side, NXT, they have a really good, straightforward, technical, sound tag match with, you know, that was really well done. I thought I thought the main event was really good. So, um, I well, I want to break a little bit from what we were talking about because uh, I'm you you hinted at something that that is going on as we record this, and uh, Sean Sapp actually tweeted about it. So I will read his tweet, and then we can talk about this a little bit. I'm not gonna. This is not my story to tell, so I'm not going to go into details. But I will read his tweet. Sean Ross Sapp says there's a developing situation. With WWE in Saudi Arabia, most of the talent is still there and delayed. Many probably won't make it back for SmackDown. So, Sean is, from what I understand, Sean is absolutely correct. Um, the reason for this happening is... Uh, I- I'll say it's probably um, more... A management situation than it is anything else so we'll sort of let that sit I would imagine that uh, Big Dave uh, who I think he pretty much has most of the story uh, hopefully he'll he'll talk a little bit about it um, this weekend but again it's not my story I kind of know uh, pretty much what's going on I probably know more than Sean but um, that uh, we'll, we'll sort of let that tweet uh, kind of 
kind of uh, tell people what's going on there. Uh, I, I don't like being sort of cryptic about stuff, but really, again, it's not it's not my Garrett. story to tell. Garrett, what a classic tiptoe, man. It's just I, I know, just I know I, we, you can't. It's you not can't. my news. It's, know, it's absolutely not my. News. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> But that was classic. I, I thought that was really well done. Actually, I was very impressed. I, I learned I, a lot that. that I, I, I try. I try to be as fair as possible in in this you know this new journalism world. We'll just say that um, you know it's, it'll come out soon, and you guys will all be blown. Your mind will be blown <laughs> a little bit with this one for sure. It's a wrestling, wrestling wackiness. This that people will just remember. We'll probably be talking about this for years, right? Yeah, well, I, I think I think so. Um. Uh. So okay. So back to NXT and AEW. Um. You know we've been covering both shows and kind of been given pros and cons. You know it is now you know week whatever it is. NXT is building to their takeover on you know SummerSlam weekend and maybe they'll be involved. Who knows what they'll be involved in at SummerSlam? AEW has a pay per view not this weekend but next weekend. So they're they're building to that. You know we we probably won't go. You know segment by segment kind of like what we've been doing with these shows but i think overall you know the 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 character and the way that these shows are 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 being built i i I think aew show is probably a little bit easier for the casual audience to latch on to because there are uh more characters and there's a variance of characters you know you, you don't have to like orange cassidy to then see, oh, there's this guy, Jungle Boy, to then see, oh, you know, um, there's Darby Allen, to see, oh, Cody's like, a, you know, I know his dad, I remember his dad, I've heard his dad. Like, there's a variance of guys, whereas NXT, again, is a little bit more about the brand than it is about the guys. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep talking about it, and, and I think, you know, the ratings are sort of what they are. But, uh, you know, we won't go as, as, as in-depth as we have been. Uh, in these last few weeks because there's so much other stuff to talk about. Um, one of those things is uh, the uh, boxing match this weekend with Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev. Before I get to that, I actually uh, have an interview with our buddy Duan that I recorded earlier today, about 20 minutes, and we talk about that fight. We talk a little bit about Katie Taylor. We talk about the, the, you know, the big grudge, which is between Canelo and his promoter, Oscar De La Hoya. So um, we'll get, I'll get to that in a second. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, a segment that we've done in the past, which is stock up, stock down, because I have some thoughts on uh, on things that that I you know that I would buy stock in versus uh, what I wouldn't buy. You know, I'm don't worry, I'm not picking on Seth this time. Like I think I've picked on Seth every time we've done this segment, but. Um, I'll go first with stock up and as a pro wrestler, I think Ray Phoenix and I've tweeted this before, you know, outside of Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada and guys like that, like I think I'd put this guy right below those guys in the you know for someone who works in the United States or in North America um and you know obviously from a, a luchador perspective too but i don't know is he in the top 5 of workers today like that guy is flipping amazing i know a lot of people don't understand 
Lucha Libre, and and I, I get it. You know, a lot of the, you know we 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 were talking about the tag rules uh, last week. Um, pretty critical of that, but the talent that this guy has, the creativity that he has, the ingenuity that he has, is literally on a different level. And even if you don't enjoy the Lucha Libre style, you can recognize the talent. I just, I just am so mesmerized every time this dude wrestles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as hyped as you are about him. Um, I don't think he's one of the top five workers right now. I don't, I don't think he he doesn't hit my top twenty. Um, I think he's a sensational athlete. He does some amazing athletic athletic things, but as a complete wrestler, I think he has a long way to go. And um, I mean, he's fun to watch. I I don't, I don't I don't dislike the guy. I I I get. I think he you know he he hits those crazy moves and he does that little. Uh, bounce up on the bottom on the middle rope to the top rope stuff or I love that running kick he does off the, on the rope on the top rope and kicks a guy I think that's cool but I don't know I think he's a to me I think he's I think people overrate him a little bit because he is so dynamic with the moves he does but like when you get down to the work of it all I, I think he has a long way to go but you know I like him though I just don't I don't put him on that high level I, I just think when it comes to creating stars, like if I if I look at what does WWE allow to stand out, not a lot. If, if, unless you're Brock, a little bit of, of Roman, uh, Randy Orton kind of has carte blanche on what he wants to do, but you don't really have a ton of freedom there to get over. And so how do you do it? Well, you got to do it within the the uh, the script and within the 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 blueprint of what they do and so in many cases like if you're Seth Rollins who you know again I've just pi- I've just picked on this guy so much even though I really really loved him he was my favorite member of the shield I just think he's he's such a corporate you know kiss ass these days and and a lot of that is not because he wants to be it's because he can't blame the creative for why he his character does what his character does but when I watch someone like Phoenix, I go, well, he is not as restricted as a lot of these guys. Like, I'm sure Seth, if Seth, if Seth decided to wrestle the way that he thinks would he would get over, he would probably wrestle a little different style. And someone like Phoenix, who's kind of like a, a little bit of a renegade, he, he works in all of these different companies, these independent organizations, AEW. You know, he. I don't know. I, I don't know where he would actually call his home. I'm assuming he probably makes most of his money in AEW, but within the landscape that he's given, the platform that he's given, he wrestles a, a very engaging, eye-opening style. That I think, if you're looking to attract casual fans, that is the the most appeasing style. For those who don't necessarily understand what pro wrestling is, now is he the, um, you know, is, is he the the workers worker? Obviously not, because he's a, he's a luchador. Like most of those guys who are doing that high flying stuff aren't, because they're kind of like going by their own rules. But if I'm looking at someone like who's the next Will Ospreay, who's the next Kenny Omega, who's the next guy that really opens eyes, and we put our finger on them and go, okay, he's next. I feel like he's had that kind of a year. It's just that most of his stuff has been in Mexico or on these indie shows that we haven't seen. 
And I think that he, because of this platform, this AEW platform, I think he's going to branch out. And I think people are going to start recognizing him a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we'll see. I want to see what they can do. I think they should branch out in singles wrestling, which I honestly want to see. Um, I, I I know they want to team up. I know that's their thing. They want to be the brothers. They love each other. They want to team up and do all that. But, like, I think it just benefits AEW more if, you know, you have Phoenix as a babyface and Penta could be this heel or, or, you know, or maybe he's too cool, too, to even be a heel. You know, people love that guy, too, so. I don't know. I, I I would split them up. I think you can do a lot more with them as singles, but that's just me. All right. What about you? Who who are you? Who who have you seen in the last few weeks since we lasted this segment? Who you were absolutely buying stock in? Um, it's not going to be anyone from AEW or NXT. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, David Starr in OTT Wrestling. I've been, which is a controversial pick. Why? A lot of people don't like him. A lot of people don't like him. You know what? I mean, I've seen him wrestle before, and I've not a lot of his matches, but you know, my good friend Alan Forel, like threw up some links, you know, regarding the 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 the, the booking of Jordan Devlin and David Starr leading up to this big big match in OTT wrestling, and I started watching these links and these build, and it is amazing what ott doing like not enough for me to get in the streaming service because i watched a lot of that stuff i just took a deep dive and everything how 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 much how expensive is that like eight bucks or something like that hmm that's interesting but like like for me it's like their main event scene is like really good like what they're building through the main event but a lot of the undercard stuff i wasn't impressed with i didn't i saw a lot of goofiness like they have a a gender neutral title which i think is stupid (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't want to waste my money on that. But like, when it came to this build of this match and other matches and this whole program between Jordan Devlin and David Starr, like, I just love this guy is a great promo. He's so good. Like, I believe everything he says. He comes off like a like he, he like he's a heel. So what he says, he truly believes he's right, even though you know in some ways he's not, but some ways he is. So he and he's really good. He's a really good worker, t- really talented. I love how he sells. He, he doesn't sell like a normal wrestler. I mean, he just he he's he's a, he's a little different, um, undersized. So I don't know what why he's not in AEW or NXT right now. I, it's it's interesting to me. I I want to doubt. He's a, he's a little controversial. I guess so, but I I really I really was impressed. Like I I I want to see more of him and. I'm not, not not enough where I want to pay eight bucks a month to watch that show that show because I don't you know I want to, I don't think I get my money's worth just on the main events I want to I would like to have more variety, but um I, I just was really impressed and you should you know, look up you know, just go and go to the YouTube page OTT Wrestling, and watch some of these hype videos they do I mean it's really high quality stuff I watched that match with Walter and Jordan Devlin and. Like that build was fantastic. The whole program between Jordan Devlin and, and the whole story, your storyline between these guys is, was really good. And, and um, yeah, so that's my stock up. And, and like I, you know, if you, I mean, that's some of the best, best, best pro wrestling stuff I've seen all years. OTT wrestling stuff, and um, it just like it just like 
filled my heart and soul. Like I just loved it because it like yeah it made you made you want to go watch that match. Like I think they had the best build of any company, AEW or 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 NXT or WWE. Yeah, I've I, I've heard from that, and and you know the person who is on this stuff like crazy is my uh, my buddy Alex Goff. Like I don't think he pays attention to WWE all that much. Um, but he's always every time he texts me about wrestling, it's about OTT. So he he kind of keeps me in the loop on that stuff. But that it you know that's one of those things where I'm like, okay, if I'm not watching WWE very much, and you know I'm not watching you know I, I gave NW power three three weeks, but I'm not going to watch anymore. You know if I didn't have uh, AEW and NXT, maybe I have maybe I do have an hour for for OTT, and that, that's something that I I would be interested in, in getting into. But that that's really cool. I, I'm glad to hear it because you know just the variety and especially our uh, our friends. Over, you know we have we have a bunch of friends who are in Ireland and and in the UK, especially those who are on our our fight game uh, podcast Facebook page. So I love hearing about that stuff because it's not stuff that I'm really aware of. So should, I, I like learning. Check out their videos; aren't that long. They're like you know five to seven minutes long of the hype stuff, and it's just really good. Like David Starr just telling Jordan Devlin's a sellout for going to WWE and. And, you know, now he's the one that's, you know, fighting for, you know, beyond the corporate, you know, you know, people, you know, being you know held down by corporations and this and that. And and then, like, then they cut to Jordan Devon's like, he's like, you know, oh, yeah, why don't you ask, ask David Starr how many trials he's had at WF, <laughs> WWE, you know, ask him how many conversations they've had about, you know, like, it just is like just really cool, like stuff, reality stuff. And then. You know, the whole thing on the storyline is just that, you know, Jordan Devon was about to beat Walter, who David Starr's never beaten, and they wrestled like 25 times, and then he ended up costing Jordan Devlin in that moment because he wanted that moment to beat Walter. So, like, they're, like, pissed. They're, like, they like they both want to beat Walter. So, like, Walter, I mean, I, he felt, felt like such a superstar. Like, the guy to get to, the final boss, as they called him, and, uh, yeah, it was just really good shit. And you should go out and watch that Jordan Devlin-Walter match. That was, like, a one of the best pro wrestling matches I've seen in the last, like, three to four years, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched some stuff that Alan has said, you know, that you guys need to watch this. I, I've watched some of that OTT stuff before. It's, it's The presentation is good. The fans are nutty for it. So, you know, it's very entertaining. Like, it's just, like they're passionate. Like, oh yeah, it's not okay. AEW fans, you get a vibe that they're just with it, right? They're like, yeah, we love this guy, this guy, this guy. Like they fucking hated Walter, and they're like, like it was just like the like their the drama of like, oh my god, you're gonna beat him, and like they're just going crazy. And then when something didn't go their way, like you know, fit, uh, Jordan Devin loses, and they're just crushed. You know, yeah, and that production absolutely. captures everything. It it's like really fun, really fun. I just don't know if they have enough for me to invest my time. But like, if I get an opportunity to watch their main event scene, I'll just you know somehow, some way, I'll uh, I'll watch it. You know. Uh, okay, so stock down. Um, I will say, uh, and I'll stay on the AEW tip just because it's, you know up and down it's 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 uh something that i've been thinking about you know there's great and there's really bad the women's division in just as a division is so bad and and i know that 
you know, they're they're introducing Japanese women's Japanese wrestling sort of back into, you know, into this new fandom, this new wrestling fan. So it's going to take a little while to learn these women. But, oh, my gosh, like that match on 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 Wednesday. Oof, it was rough. Uh, and I, I and I actually like um, what what is the woman's name? Uh, yes, I, I, I really like her. I think she's attractive. I think she's. I think she, with the right opponent, um, can have a really good match. Uh, but I, I don't know why they're trying so hard to promote these women as better than they actually are. Like Britt Baker, right? Like they they they, they are promoting Britt Baker so hard. And I watch Britt Baker, and I go, okay, she's not any better. She she's she's worse than Candice LeRae on NXT. She's worse than uh, Bianca Blair on NXT. So if those women on NXT aren't being pushed like crazy, why is Britt Baker being pushed like crazy? Well, she's just sort of the best that they, the best American woman that they have. Um, and and then I watch, um, you know, uh, you know, what, whatever they're they're doing with Brandy. I'm not actually sure what they're doing with Brandy. Uh, who kinda, is obviously? I, I got the gist of what they're doing. She's uh, she's obviously not good though, right? She's not a good wrestler. She never has been. She's she's not she's really a she's not really a wrestler. She hasn't even had that many matches. You know, she started wrestling well, and then she got hurt. Kong is wrestling for her, right? Yes, so I, I assume I, at one point Kong's gonna win the belt and give it to her. Okay, what, whatever that. I mean, if if she's already out out of the elite, if if you look at Kenny and the Bucks and and Adam Page and Tony Khan, for whatever reason, that that fan base does not give Brandy the benefit of the doubt. They think she's Stephanie McMahon of that group, and so she's already disliked. I I I, I guess I've seen her in her real life, and I've seen her personally, and I sort of think she's really smart. So that maybe I'm a little bit biased. I don't see her as Stephanie McMahon, but I get it. Her persona, and she's a woman with you know where she's sticking up for herself in in most cases and a lot of male wrestling fans you know un- unless you're catering to them they they don't like that but um i i i just don't know what i'm not exactly sure what they're doing because now i will say that i want to see what this rating what the rating does in the young women because if it does great demo in the young women then maybe there it's valid to have that match but I was just like, man, like, why are they forcing this stuff down my throat when I don't even like Candice LeRae? And I watched that match uh, that she had with uh, Io, and I was like, man, Candice LeRae would be the best woman in in AEW right now. Well, you also can see Candice's improvement. Being oh, a, yeah, being absolutely. Especially from when I first saw her when, like, she was running the ropes and taking, like, 20 steps. As, like, fans uh, who who just bitch and moan about WWE and people going to NXT and you're going to be lost and you're going to be this and that. Like, hey, they're getting the best training possible. And, you know, Candice Ray outside NXT wasn't that good. Candice Ray NXT has made great improvements to where I'm watching this match at EO and I'm like, wow, Candice is really holding her own. And she's really been developing really well in those, this the last few months I've seen her. So, I mean, she looks, she looked good. So, um, my stock down. Man, it's a tough one. Everyone, I mean, I saw a lot of positives. I'm going to say... I, 
I wouldn't put no money in that Kip Saban kid. <laughs> Tell you that, right? <laughs> like, I saw, like, just, like, nothing out of this guy. Like, I didn't think, like, why do they have this guy? What's so uh, what's so special about him? And um, Good-looking kid, good-looking athlete, but I just didn't think in that position. I guess he was there for that one reason, right? Well, actually, Jack Evans won that. <laughs> Got these. So, um, yeah, those guys. I, I just feel like a lot of these guys in AEW are all the same. That's what I get frustrated about, like, um, you know, the best friends, I feel, are the same with the, the eight, whatever that guy's got, the, high, the hybrid two are the same. Like, I just think they all kind of just mesh together, and it just, um, just kind of, that's why I kind of get, like, bored with things, like, AEW, just they don't really, they just don't really, a lot of people don't stand out, but when the ones that do, like the Cody's, and, like, I thought the same Gravard looked good in this show. I thought, you know, he's obviously green, but... I think that kid has a lot of potential. So, but right now, I guess a guy like Kip Saban, like why he's either. I think there could be a lot. More. Isn't he dating Penelope Ford? Yeah, that's what we heard, huh? Man, so. he'd be on my stock up just for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's my that's my stock down. I mean, I didn't really think too much hard about this one. I didn't really put too much my best effort in, but that's that's what kind of just came to mind right right now. Um, all right, so um, so let me uh, take us to the interview that I did with Doan about the big boxing match this Friday. Then we'll come back and we will finish off the show. All right, Doan is with us now. Doan, we have a big fight this weekend. Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev. But before we, before we get your prediction and sort of your lay of the, how you see the lay of the land, what is your thought on the almost the biggest feud in boxing right now, which seems to be Canelo versus his promoter, Oscar De La Hoya? I, not that I didn't see this one coming, but it just sort of hit me out of the blue. And I didn't realize there were so many um, bad feelings going on with Canelo uh, for, I guess it's been a little while now. Yeah, I think Canelo has been, and his team have been unhappy with how Golden Boy mismanaged his career over the last couple of years, really. But I think what re- where it really bubbled up was over the summer when they were negotiating for a fight with um, Sergei Dervianchenko. Um, Golden Boy botched those negotiations, which in turn like led to Canelo losing out on his September date where he wanted to fight and it also meant that he had to give back his IBF title you know uh, the, the, the way the way Golden Boy negotiated um with the IBF was that you know if a deal couldn't be re- reached um, Dervianchenko would get, would get the fight for the vacant title. They've uh, put all the cards in the Dervianchenko uh, camp's hands. They decided they didn't want to deal. And then it gave Canelo's old rival, Gennady Golovkin, the opportunity to step back in for that vacant title and win the belt back. And, you know, Canelo's team weren't best, best pleased with that. Um, we're now in a kind of a weird crossroads for Canelo. He's tied into this long-term d- deal with... Uh, the, the zone it's the most lucrative deal in boxing but you know he's also as part of that uh, tie, tied in with golden boy i suppose um and you know a big part of i i, I guess the reason golden boy has any tv deal at the moment is because of 
uh, Can- Can- Canelo Alvarez. I don't think the zone were that interested in in uh, dealing with Golden Boy pr- prior to you know Canelo being thrown in as part of the package. They ended up scoring ten ten dates a year because of that. So I think they own an awful lot, or owe an awful lot to to Canelo and his team. And you know you're seeing some a lot of friction you know come to the surface there it's not just with canelo it's with the trainers and it's also with some of the surrounding uh, fighters Uh, you've heard brian garcia's um had had words with oscar uh, quite publicly over social media and you know oscar you know uh, bashed him publicly like he's played down G- G- Garcia's co- contribution to the Golden Boy team he said like you know he isn't one of our top, top prospects he's not been a big draw he's been maybe a draw on social media but it hasn't translated into money which is just like firstly he, w- when it's a guy who's in with your 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 top top drawing star it, uh, it's a mistake anyway but also uh, Garcia is one of the guys you would look at in the Golden Boy Go to Golden Boy uh, team to carry the flag for the next number of years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, how much of this do you think is related? And and we don't know personal problems. Whatever's going on with Oscar, he um, there have been some some things that have that have come out recently. But how much of this do you think has something to do with Oscar was once in Canelo's spot? He is now far beyond his years. And he is simply no longer the biggest star at Golden Boy. There could be a case of that. Um, I think. I think that. There, well, there's a lot going on with Oscar in general, but you know, maybe also it is part of Oscar starting to see the the writing on the wall. Maybe he's seeing that Canelo's outgrowing him, and you know, he's kind of seeing it from the perspective Bob Arum saw when he when he was from. Uh, promoting Oscar that you know there's gonna be a day when he leaves me and I'm going I'm gonna be like you know in the cold uh, and may- maybe th- that's part of uh, why this friction started uh, you know may- may- maybe Oscar knows that you know the, the relationship isn't going to last Um, I guess you know promotionally it's an interesting time for Canelo you know if he do- like you know he's saying publicly that all he's doing all Oscar's there for now at the moment is business. You know, there's no uh, relationship between them at all. They're not really communicating. Um, and it's got most people speculating that maybe long term they're not they're not going to be together too much longer. And if that's the case, what's the next step for Canelo? Does he go out on his own, or you know, do we see him partner up with another promoter? And I know there's. Uh, a tall English man who's probably thinks his ship has come in uh, right now because he's the lead promoter in of the of the zone, and if the zone decide they want to stay in the Canelo business, which I'm assuming they will, but they they want to Oscar out of the loop, maybe 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 Eddie Hearn's the man to set, step in there and fill the gap. We know he was somebody who's been involved in negotiations for this fight um, as an, a mediator uh, but, but in the early stages between the Kovalev and um, Canelo camps. So, you know, he, 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 he's he gotten in there and, you know, may, maybe that that will be something, an option Can- Canelo would look at. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point in that Canelo is such a big star now that he doesn't really need Oscar, and, and I think Oscar always always liked being at the top of uh, at the uh, at the top right there. Um, let, let's actually talk about the fight because <clears throat> it's actually a little scary to me when I think about this fight how little of a chance I'm giving Kovalev, and that is not usually the case when it comes to these bigger guys facing guys coming up in weight and in Canelo's um, and, and, and in his situation up going up two weight classes. And I think it's because I sort of feel like Kovalev is, is getting up there in age. And, you know, I think he deserves some, uh, he he deserves a lot of credit in, uh, in sort of outlasting uh, in, in the last fight where he, he was definitely in a little bit of trouble, but I just I don't know I'm just I just think that you know it, from a, from a chopping down a, an oak tree perspective like that that Canelo just has uh, the the style that would make things hard for Kovalev but in usual in in the usual instance I think the you know you usually give the big man the harder puncher the guy with the uh, a really powerful jab uh, you would give him the benefit of the doubt and probably make him the favorite but Canelo's the favorite in this fight. You know both of them very well. How do you see this thing going? Yeah, I think there's probably two ways people are going to split this one. It's either going to be people view it as Canelo's picking the bones of an of an aging fighter on his way down to p- pick up a four top four four uh, four uh, title in a fourth weight class, or if people will think you know weight classes exist for a reason, and you know this is a, a bigger risk than. Uh, so, so, some are given credit for. Um, personally, I do think Canelo is too fresh. Um, I don't think Kovalev is gone. I think he's still there's is there's still something left there. He's not like the fighter he was. You know, he went through that period, um, when he kind of first burst on the scene where where he knocked out every everybody he fought for pretty much three three years straight. Uh, he's not been that guy and if we're being honest I don't think he's been that guy since the the that second Andre Ward fight um you know he's he, even in his comeback fights after that he looked a little bit sluggish his, his footwork wasn't great he was you know um a little bit cumbersome he just didn't quite look the the, the fighter he he had looked, and you know I don't think it surprised too many people when he lost his title uh, to Elder Alvarez. Um, you know credit credit to him, he won it. He was able to win, win it back, and you know that shows that there is still something left in the tank. He won that fight back. He won that title back on merit, but you know then we come to his last fight. Um. Uh, which you already allu- alluded to at the Anthony Yard fight, and you know that was a go- against the guy who was a novice in terms of uh, you know his professional experience. Um, all he really had go, all Yard really had going for him in that fight was that he was a big, young, strong kid, and uh, he was extremely, he was extremely limited. And you know, in that ninth round, he very, very nearly finished Kovalev. There's 
the possibility that, like, you know, if he was a bit more experienced, he may have ended that fight. You know, he punched himself out and gave Kovalev the opportunity. He didn't finish Kovalev and it gave him the opportunity to come back and stop stop him in the 11th. But, you know, had he ta- had Yard taken his time a little bit more and broken him down and picked his shots, maybe he could have put Kovalev away and we wouldn't be seeing this f- f- fight at all. So, so, you know, when you think about that, it's just somebody who's, you know, young and strong and uh, explosive uh, is able to put him in in that type of trouble you know he's fighting somebody now who's you know, who's all all so young and uh, and strong and explosive but you know this guy's also one of the one of the best uh, technical fighters in the sport as well you know one of the things that i thought about and and you know you mentioned his name is is andre ward and we often forget that Ward just kind of retired and went away. And, you know, he's doing broadcasting and he's he's kind of, uh, you know, mentoring Shakur Stevenson. But if if uh, if Canelo has his way with Kovalev, how hard would it be to make a fight with Andre Ward and Canelo? Because, and the only reason I say this is, and it's not that I think that Ward wants to get back into the fight game. It's just he never had that one payday that huge payday that he was probably looking for and if Canelo can fight uh at the same weight class um I do wonder if Ward kind of starts chomping at the bit a little bit thinking about you know what it would take for him to get back into shape to be able to to fight you know maybe one of the top five guys in in all of boxing it's funny but before you we were on this call I was actually thinking of that exact same thing i was kind of i was kind of envisioning uh andre ward watching this fight and maybe uh doing the sugar ray leonard mathematics there and (laughs) thinking at the end of the fight i can still beat this guy um you know and it would be uh, it would be a fight that you know size wise probably works out okay you know of course, Ward finished his his career at light heavyweight, but he was largely a, a career super middleweight. And you know, and you know, with Canelo moving up now, I don't know that he's going to move ever move back to to, to middleweight. But uh, maybe super middle will be will be his weight, and maybe that's where 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 these two two could meet. And you know. If you talk about absolutely top level fights, that's one of the be- be- best that that could be made next next year, if it's yeah. something Andre was interested in. It it would be amazing, and I would think that unless there was some in- injury or you know some reason where he felt that he was just a step too slow, as to be the reason that he retired, then maybe he doesn't think about it. But if not, and if he does feel good, because I mean, you know, these guys, when they take breaks and, or they, you know, the retirement, their body feels a lot better than it had been. And it would take a little bit for him to get back into, into the swing of things. But it was just something that crossed my mind when I realized, uh, you know, who, who the guys were uh, at this, at this weight class. You would Um, have to think that like that has crossed, you know John Skipper's mind that maybe you know <laughs> you know he'll put a he he'll put a call in on on, on Sunday morning to to Andre Ward and just put the feelers out there. You know is there interest there? You know you've got to think that's worth some buys to the zone. Absolutely, um, I, I know there's a there's a couple of interesting fighters uh, on the zone card. You mentioned Ryan Garcia already. Evander Holyfield's kid is yeah, is fighting his pro on this debut. card. 
So that's really interesting. I know there's a woman's fight that they're actually doing three minute rounds, I believe, uh, as well. Um, but there's there's other boxing uh, this weekend, and and uh, I think uh, there's a Showtime card. And then is is Katie Taylor also fighting this weekend? Yeah. So if you have Sky or the Zone. Um, you can pretty much wa- watch boxing all Saturday if you <laughs> want. Um, Katie Taylor's headlining in Manchester. Of course, she's just coming off u- unifying the lightweight division. She's now moving up to junior welterweight uh, to take on uh, WBO champion uh, Christi- Christina Ndartu. Um you know, yeah, this is uh, this is probably the first step in another big year for Taylor. Um, there's fights like you know already been rumored but you know the rematch from versus Pursoon she had you know won the fights of the year earlier in the year with her uh, many people thought Katie was lucky to win that uh, Amanda Amanda Serrano is just coming off her big win against Heather Hardy you know she would she and Taylor would be a very big match up as well Um, one of her old opponents Jessica McCaskill is just recently won two belts up in the uh, the, the the junior welterweight division, so she could look at a unification fight with her at some point. And then, just recently, uh, Cecilia Brackos uh, signed with Matrium Promotions, who's who owns all the titles at welterweight. And you know that's a long rumored fight for Taylor as well. Uh, this is the step up against Brackos. Um, so I would expect maybe two to three of those fights to come off next year um and the great thing about taylor is she is in it for to to get those fights and because she's the biggest star in women's boxing she can actually make them because none of these girls can make as much money anywhere else as they will fighting her so she if she pushes for those big fights she can get them so i think we will see uh, you know, two or three really big fights with katie taylor in uh, in 2020 uh this one you know, I don't know a lot about Christina Ardu. I have spoken to a few people this week who think, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a risk with Katie stepping up and up and weight. You know, eyes on bigger fights ahead. Uh, it's possible this this could be a risk. I think she's probably just got too much pedigree for uh, Christina. She's uh, too too well schooled, and I think she will come through this, and we should see some uh, bigger fights next year. You mentioned Brockus; she will make her debut on the Zone uh, in about a month on November thirtieth. So uh, it looks like uh, they can um, they can showcase both women if the idea is for them to meet at some point in the in the future. That that's kind of a kind of a cool thing with with how the Zone works and being able to make uh, make these these uh, these fights because you have the network in agreement with the promotion and and it's it's pretty cool that way well just on that note you know it feels like the story of this year has really been boxing being boxing it seems like every time I'm on here talking to you it's kind of about like we've been talking about all the opportunities that are out here for uh, you know boxing to create new stars and to create new fans and it's more um, what we're getting instead is more the same you know the uh, the promotional divides have just got deeper the politics have gotten worse than ever before but you know it feels like this last few months of this year have been you know a, a sign of hope we, we've had like big fight one of big fights that you we've rarely seen before you know first it was uh 
uh, Porter and Spence, and then you had uh, Golovkin and Dervianchenko, and then you had Baturbiev uh, and Kvasik, and then even last weekend you had uh, Josh Taylor and Regis Progress. These are all A-level fights, and you know they they all delivered the type of fights that we wanted to see. They were they're all stuff that'll be on the the end of year best of list and we got plenty more ahead you know this weekend with Canelo Kovalev we still got the Anthony Joshua fight to look forward in forward to in Saudi Arabia you know it's a big end of year you know this time time of the year does usually produce big fights because you have guys you have people emptying out what's left of their budget to spend on whatever fights they can get but I think maybe also there's something else going on this year I think maybe promoters are trying to show their financiers that they back the right horse with all this money coming in you know they want to get that money to keep flowing i i'm sure pbc i'm sure uh matchroom i'm sure top rank all want to wanted to, to try uh show show to close strong close out to the year to show uh, people that you know their money was well invested and they are going to get the big fights next year yeah no it it, it this this last quarter of events uh, if you're a boxing fan absolutely no complaints because they are putting on some really good cards and you know you mentioned the big one in december and that's that's uh, sometime where i hope i can bring you back and maybe maybe we'll get more folks back uh, like matt uh, prentice and you know if we can robert silva as well and do a little bit of a, of a round table that would be fun yeah that would be cool uh, robert you know myself and himself and you have done one show together and it, it, it was i think it was one of the best shows we've done and matt's just uh, a boxing genius he's he's like you know i always love reading his stuff on our group uh, he's i think he's one of the smartest guys guys there and he's you know he's a really funny dude as well so you know i'd be definitely up to do that all right, Duan, thank you very much for hanging out. Uh, going to get back to John as we talk a little bit about UFC, and then we're going to talk about the November 1st, 1993 edition of Monday Night Raw. Okay, we're back. Uh, thanks to Duan. I think I'm going to try to bring Duan back uh, next week as well because... He and I had a little bit of a conversation off air, which we were breaking down more more him than me. Who Canelo could actually fight? I mentioned in the in the the interview that I the the conversation that we had, you know, maybe someone like Andre Ward comes back and, and faces Canelo if he could beat Kovalev. But there are other there are other folks out there, and I think Canelo has made himself the most intriguing guy right now in in the uh, the sport of boxing. So. Uh, really, you know, really interested in that fight this Saturday, and it and it's on DAZN. So those of you who have DAZN, here here's a here's a good opportunity for you to watch uh, something that should be pretty compelling. Um, the other the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we get to Raw, and we'll you know we'll be quick with this. I I actually wanted to bring our buddy Danny Acosta on to talk about uh Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz, um. He is he has talked about on our on our fight game podcast Facebook group that you know these guys have done so much for the UFC of late just making this one fight you know at Madison Square Garden uh, so much more interesting than you know most uh, most folks in the UFC John Jones and uh, uh, Conor McGregor included ha- have made some of their fights so uh, Danny uh, he he I, 
he didn't have his computer uh, readily available, so I told him that you know we'll do, we'll do it at some other point. Um, and I do want to bring him back on. You know, Danny used to write for ShareDog, and he you know he's just been in the game for so long. So um, he has he's a really bright mind when it comes to uh, to this stuff, and and plus boxing too, and and he can talk boxing with the best of everybody. So. Uh, we'll bring him back at some point to talk about a future boxing or MMA show and pro wrestling as well. Like he, he knows all of that stuff. So, uh, but, bef- you know, couldn't bring him on, but I do want to know, you know, we talk, we talk about this every UFC show, the interest level. What is, what is your interest level one through 10 on a Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz main event in Madison square garden, uh, for uh, UFC two forty four. One through ten, I would say about three. Really? <laughs> I wow! I know. Holy cow! I thought you were gonna say like seven and a half. No, no. I mean, that's whatever. You know, like I just don't feel. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling MMA right now. I'm not feeling UFC. Like nothing's getting me like to really need to watch it other than maybe getting out of the house. You know, <laughs> like just, to, just a little, you know, maybe something like that. Just to, just to hang with my buddies, but. Yes, right now nothing's like you know. I don't. Really, I don't really care who wins or loses that fight. Honestly, I don't. Well, I mean, you know, the the winner, the win winner or loser of of the fight is not as important because obviously it's not for a title. Um, if Nate wins, you know, they may push him for a pretty big fight. Maybe he gets a title fight. But I think Masvidal actually has the opportunity to become a real big star. Um. I've I've heard him do other media and I've just been so impressed by his coolness and his his quick wit. I think he's been really good. And I think he's he's got the opportunity and and you know, he's not someone who <clears throat> we are constantly hit over the head with in the UFC so he'd be sort of a fresh guy. Um and you know, so that's kind of why I hope that he wins. I think he's going to win, but Nate is you know, great. Nate is like the people's champ uh, of the UFC. Like he is so popular. Some of that is because of the Connor stuff, but some of that is just because people see him as like just no bullshit. And you know, he's got this this uh, this drug uh, test failure issue. And you know, who knows what the uh, who what Usada told him? But he basically came out and was like, "F these guys, man. They're telling me that I have to watch levels on something." F this. Of course I don't take PEDs. They have to fix it or I'm out. And what did Dana White do and USADA do? They quickly fixed the situation. Like he has leverage here and he's using it, which is which is awesome. Um but I'm I'm like at a seven and a half eight. You know, I uh I already told uh I already told my girlfriend uh Crystal, I was like, hey, Saturday night. You know, I know we're we're hanging. You know, we're we're doing stuff with the kids, but I need to get out for like an hour and a half. I need to watch this fight. I need to go hang out with Big Dave and watch this fight. I actually and, might uh, do that too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, mean, I li- literally like, I I, <laughs> I only really want to watch. You know, the main event. The the the, the, sh- the card is good. You know, you have Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker on the I'm like, main event for the prelims. But I, Masvidal and Nate Diaz, I just need to watch this fight. I'm like, you know, the kids go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm gonna get in the car and go. Uh, yeah, I mean, eight, event. nine o'clock. Like, but I'm still fight. at a three. All right, I'm still uh. at a three. But you know what? I almost, almost, almost quit pro wrestling altogether the other day. Why? 
I saw fucking Ken Shamrock take the dick flip from Joey Ryan, and I oh, like Joey. My. Wait, no, he took the flip? I thought he slapped the flip away or something. No, they, they taped other shows, and they, they oh, sent it out. Oh, come on. Dude. I mean, I like Joey. I'm not, you know, a lot of people bag on Joey, and as old school as old school as I am, you know, me, I, what I like in wrestling, I mean, I just like Joey as a person, because he's a really nice guy and a professional. He's a real professional, honestly. He, he really, he's always showed up on time and just really easy to deal with and he's a really cool cool dude but that being said i'm not a big fan of the, the dick stuff right it's just that's just you know kind of but like when i see a guy like ken shamrock take it i'm just like what the fuck you know like ken are you that hard up on for your 250 dollar po you know like, i don't know i don't know what he's getting from tna it can't be much but it's like what are you doing man <laughs> it's just well maybe he's trying to be like the cool 50 year old dude you know like hanging with the kids yeah maybe i don't know it's just like i would i watched that first episode of tna and i gave it a shot well that you know the the reboot of reboots you know the nine lives for tna or impact yeah, to, the tuesday night on access which is actually i only watched the first hour i never finished the second hour but i I was like, okay, I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll, we're going to get to 93 Raw really quickly. The show's not that big of a deal, so we'll go through the show quickly. But um, Cornette retweeted the Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy twins photo from the, you know for Halloween. Was that Tony Khan and Orange Cassidy? What did I say? Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, so, uh, so Cornette tweeted out and said something, you know, he's basically calling Tony Khan a money mark. And, um, and so then UFC reporter or MMA reporter, I think he's actually the editor of MMA junkie. Dave Doyle replies to Cornette and he goes, uh, so what would you have been without Rick Rubin in uh, Smoky Mountain? I, I didn't see if Cornette replied at all, but I just thought it was so funny because you know, Dave Doyle's a—he's an MMA guy, though. I know he—he he has a bit of a little bit of an old school pro wrestling background. Yeah, he loves pro wrestling too. Yeah. yeah, but it was just funny to see, of all people, like you know, Cornette is, uh, to me, I—I I, I think you know he's sort of fifty-fifty. Really, kind of doesn't believe everything he says, but he understands how to really make money in 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 this business. But you know, I—he's I, still like my favorite guy. And uh, even though uh, he's, I think he goes a little. He, he and he and Meltzer, I wish, uh, I wish they weren't so at odds in their pro wrestling fandom these days. But I just thought it was so funny that you have all these pro wrestling uh, reporters and these, you know, Twitter guys, and the only guy to put Cornette in his place is is Dave Doyle, the MMA well, what guy. Do you, I thought what that you was really pretty funny. Put in his place, though, Rick Rick Rubin was a silent partner that wasn't involved i mean he was involved financially but like they wasn't a character or, or... So he was basically saying Cornette, everyone has you, ba- you basically spent this guy's money and he got very little payoff for it like that's pretty much what he's mm-hmm. saying i get it but like i mean i think he's <laughs> but you know Cornette hired some talented guys <laughs> <laughs> he was he could, I mean, look, look, you know, he Cassidy, he, he was Cornet. Cornet tried to yeah, the prince, uh, though, the, the mummy. <laughs> he, I mean, he, you know, you know, he he had a product that was very catering 
to a specific fan base and to that fan base it was very successful but then in the business of 1993 you know kind of in kind of what we're talking about when it came to raw you, you that wasn't necessarily something that you could go national with and that was the name of the game like you know he without tv money or without tv exposure i should say because vince i don't think vince was really making uh tv money back then either but without tv exposure you were a, a territorial group and thus all of your money was made on house shows and you know w- without a national exposure he couldn't go to pay-per-view so um I you know I I, I, I I sort of understood that a Cornette was trying to to do something that he that he felt was like the right style that would work but I, in the back of Cornette's mind he had to know that it wasn't going to be a national promotion because of the style and well, if he, he was, if he did that wasn't his goal right his goal was to build the territory again like in that territory kind of you know that Knoxville, Tennessee territory. I think that's what he wanted to build towards. Is kind of have a nice, thriving territory for guys to work, and then you cycle out talent like you do the other territories, find new talent, and you know once his talent gets now the guys are getting better paydays going to WWF, and now he's bringing in you know Chris Candidos and building them up, and you know I think that's what he was trying to do. Just kind of, he just wanted a, a close to home, old school territory again, and. He felt the that world at the time needed it, and it was really good. I mean, I mean, 90, 93, 94 stuff is like yeah, but but how but how was he going to make money to withstand the the wrestling? You know, how, how was he going to continue that promotion for years and years and years? He was eventually going to have to go to pay per view, right? Because that's where the model was: WCW and WWE, and ECW is is sort of going that way like Cornette knew that he was going to have to get on pay-per-view good, in order to question. really make money it's a good question I can't wait for that book to come out man he's been talking about it for a long time oh is he going to write a book about Smoky he's Mountain he mentioned it a, a, more than once oh I'm, I, I would buy that I, I was buying the first issue if I could you know like, yeah definitely but uh, Cornette's fun I, lo- I love him I think he's entertaining I like beyond his great rants and his witty stuff but i i love like when he gets when he really gets technical about stuff and he really explains to you what they're doing wrong why they're doing it wrong when to do it correctly like that's the stuff you really got to listen to and take in and and uh, i i love it because he's he, you know he's correct a lot of that kind of stuff he, he's a smart guy he's been around he's done a lot he's made a lot of money with it i mean he's he's built drew big crowds and you know, he's, he's actually a hell of a he's a hell of a worker. They watch the watch Great American Bash '88 Greensboro. That <laughs> and we we talked about this last week. We 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 you know you were raised on the fundamentals of what you're supposed to do and what historically has worked, and some of that, maybe most of that, is true in today's day and age. Though the most successful company in the world often doesn't do those things. And AEW, which is basing a lot of what they do off of New Japan and the Indies, they often don't do the fundamentals either. And that's how they're sort of trying to reach an audience. So I agree with you. Like, like if this was about fundamentals of what I like with storytelling and what I like with matches and, and everything, I, I completely agree with you. The part that I disagree with Cornette is that there is only – one way to skin a cat as the the saying goes and 
the fact that he is vehemently not open-minded on it, I think is partially his own stubbornness and his right to be stubborn about it. But he is so vehemently opposed to everything else that if it does end up working, and some of it is, he doubles down on stubbornness and doesn't give credit where it's due, which is his right. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm not there to, to discredit him. Like, he's, a, he's he knows, uh, he's forgotten more about pro wrestling than I even know, just from a fairness standpoint and from a, you know, what you and I do, which is, you know, we try to back up our stuff by, you know, with information and facts. And, you know, you could read the facts to Jim and Jim will just be like, well, they're still fucking wrong because I said they're wrong. And that's just his thing. And I, and I actually like that about him too. But, you know, there's, there, there will become a point in time where, you know, if AEW is around for two or three years, he's going to look wrong, though I don't imagine that he will admit to it. Uh, so that's character one day with them anyway. So. That's my whole thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's what I keep saying. Because business uh, is business, bro. Exactly. And he'd be so good. He'd be the best guy in the whole company. Oh, yeah, he'd be the, the heat of all heat machines over there. Um, okay, so let's quickly get to our Raw '93 reviews that we've been it doing. Sucked. It sucked. Oh, it was not. It was not a good show. You know, we are getting to a point where I think we only have, you know, what is it? Seven episodes eight, left. Seven, yeah, seven more shows, and then we got to decide if we're gonna stick with Raw or we're gonna move to another show. And I will do whatever you want to do, but I'm not gonna go for any longer than a one-hour show because okay, this well, is my sweet spot. I the you the I. Wow. <laughs> yeah the i because you know why it's because you know how i said that AEW and nxt i'm kind of a little bit like uh it's kind of a chore nowadays but i never think that watching this raw 93 is a chore even on a bad show like this yeah i think we should do the hogan uh reality wrestling show with uh... <laughs> you know i you know i reviewed that for uh fight game blog back in the day all right, now I gotta change it up. Maybe the micro midgets or something. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But we still have seven, seven glorious episodes of this yet. And, Send and your I... suggestions on the Facebook group. Who do you what 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 do you want us to review? Like, what's gonna replace Raw ninety three segment on the show? Like, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and like I said, I, I still am digging. I'm still digging it. And or yeah, on Twitter, Fightcam Media, I still am digging it. But. Um, it's it's because it's such an easy watch and and you know not stuff doesn't happen every week but you know you get to hear Vince and Bobby every week like that's like a it's so fun it's like I'm hanging out with my friends you know so yeah. it's, it's yeah. kind of cool. It's just, this episode was just a lot of blah and nothing was happening and the even the squash matches were boring and imagine being at this TV taping Jesus Nick <laughs> I remember some of these matches. And, doesn't have fond memories of them. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, so let's start the show. The show actually opens with Bobby the Brain Heenan interviewing Bastion Booger, who is supposedly eating raw meat, and he's getting it all over his chest, and it's disgusting. And I'm not like, from the standpoint of, you know, getting somebody over. This probably has the reverse effect. Booger is going to be in in the the uh, the very first match on the show, but it didn't make me want to see him more. It just made me wonder why are they making fun of this guy 
so much and he's actually like he's playing ball right like he's like scott you know this is what they want me to do i'm gonna do it to the to the fullest like he's like bought in he's leaning into this character but i just get the sense of like vince is just making fun of a fat guy like that's kind of what this character is oh yeah even this theme music <clears throat> that he gets with the farting and the passing <laughs> of gas and yeah this was disgusting i, 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 thought, I thought like what if you're just a casual if you're just a casual viewer and you're like What's this raw? What's this? I'm watching pro wrestling. I never really watched pro wrestling. I'm gonna watch it right now. Yeah. Click and you see this. Like you're not watching any more of this, right? You're you're moving on to something else, right? You're watching reruns of Night Court or something at this point. Where it was happening in 1993. Uh, it's. I was disgust. I mean, I was kind of grossed out big time, dude. And I was like, it was just the food on his chest and oh, god, that was. I was really grossed out, and now I know that was her going for being gross, but also it's it's just like it's like obviously Vince's humor, right? Like he loves stuff like this, but not the world though. It just was a turnoff for me. So that leads to the match between Bastion Booger and Razor Ramon, and Vince using his uh, only Vince can say stuff like this. He immediately makes fun of Bastion Booger's adipose tissue on his body which i think he means his uh saggy pecs and then razor immediately starts like bouncing him like making fun of making fun of him as well um and so you know this match is already starting him you know making fun of the heel the fat heel the, he's he's uh he he's you're able to make fun of him just because he's fat and and this is who you know vince sees as the ultimate um, you know, Vince the bully, uh, this is who he would make fun of if, if uh, he was in high school. So uh, the understory of this show is that November 1st is Bobby the Brain Heenan's birthday. I didn't actually see if that was real or not. Yeah, I didn't really double check that fact either, but... I'll fun, look it up. It a, I'll, I'll look it up while we talk about it. It was a fun it. little little gimmick throughout the show for the hour. Um, So during the match... um. <clears throat> Basham Booker uses a, a bear hug. And yeah, actually, November 1st, 1994, Bobby the Brain Heenan's uh, birth date. Uh, so the thing that I was like wondering about is the actual move of a bear hug where you get someone and you, you know, squeeze them and squeeze them as a submission move. I noticed that a lot of times you, you give... A, a a bigger wrestler that move like someone like Andre. Andre's really strong. He can squeeze the life out of you. Um, you know, someone uh, a, a a really muscular guy can squeeze the life out of you. Bastion Booger as a as a uh, a body type didn't really have big arms. All he had was a sort of round body. So when he uses the the uh, bear hug on Razor. I'm just like, mm, I mean, I don't know. I don't buy it as a, as a move. Like, d- does he just using it because he's a fat guy? Like, why is it, why does he have this move in his arsenal? Well, just a big guy with a big bear hug. I mean, I, th- I thought it looked fine. I thought this match was actually end up being better than I was expecting. I love the finish. The finish was really good. Um, I thought Booger looked probably is this probably going to be his best match he's had in WWF. His run, I know his run was short. So, um, I, you know, it was, it, I'm glad they cut it, the time down. Like they obviously edited it big time. Um, the right away they go to commercial break and they come right away and, and 
razor bones like taking heat, right? And uh, but yeah, I thought I thought this match was actually and ended up being fine. I liked it, and I liked the finish. I thought the finish was really really creative. And I'm guessing when I watched this originally back when I was younger that I thought, oh shit, Booger might win when he hits that finisher uh-huh. on uh, the the sit down butt splash, whatever you want to call it. On Razor because he's beaten guys with that before, I and mean, I've seen him beat the guys with that in the WCW when he was Norman the Lunatic and Trucker Norman and all that. And then it was a cool finish where you know Razor got the Sunset Flip out of it. That, that, that was really really nice. So the reason why I wasn't sold on this finish is because we were thinking about this last week. How is Razor going to win this match? Is he going to go for the Razor's Edge? Can you get him up? And and we so once Razor. Uh, Razor did a little bit of a um, he did a little bit of a wink wink to the crowd where he's like he's ready to get him in the razor's edge and he kind of like looks at the crowd and he's like eh I don't know if I can do this or not but let's try and he doesn't really try Booger uh, Booger gives him the uh, the the uh, the backdrop and and then uh, sits on his chest like you said and Razor uses his leg for the sunset flip for the pin and he wins the match. But because we had talked about it, and then I saw the wink, wink, I go, okay, I know how this thing is ending, and and so it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, it, it was, was nice. totally the fine. The finish sequence was really good. All right, this next segment upset me a lot because our good friend Joe Fowler, where did he go? Uh oh, that's right. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Todd Pettengill so, did the segment. Todd Pettengill did the SummerSlam report, or sorry, Survivor Series report. Um, he mentions the Riddick Bow versus Evander Holyfield, the second fight between those two guys, which I think did probably something like 1.5 million pay-per-view buys, which WWE would would never see until, uh, I guess it'd be WrestleMania 17, I think. Um, and so uh, uh, he has the shirt for that fight, which if you, I don't know if you remember that fight, but remember when the parasailer like yeah. flies the oh, thing yeah. into the ring? Oh yeah, that's that, that that's that fight. So uh, Bowen Holyfield, um, and then uh, he talks about the situation that happened on Superstars, which is Ludwig Borga versus Tatanka. Uh, it's basically you know a bunch of guys interfering. He hits Tatanka with a chair. And I couldn't tell because they cut to the finish, but it looks like he hits Tatanka with the chair, beats him up with the chair a little bit, and just rolls him in the ring and pins him. Like, was that it? Yeah, I don't remember that. That was uh, they definitely edited it down. I thought we were gonna get a lot more actually, but they they, they cut it down to a really short segment, which they should have sh- could have shown us more and took out a match or two that we saw later in the evening, especially that last match we're gonna talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, Yoko comes out. Uh, the to give him the bonsai drop, Luger tries to save, but uh, he is kind of uh, hooked up, or he is hooked by the uh, the Quebecers, and they tie him up, and that he cannot great. hit the ring. Like that I'm like Lex, great stuff. Where where where's your where's your wrestling, Lex? Come on, you got to get out of this. We talking about nope. he's blind in the back. <laughs> no, I know, but then they but then they just like tied him up, like he couldn't get out. Nah, man, he's getting he's getting his ass beat. That's good. That's good shit. Dude. I like it. And I like how they did the angle with Tatanka. They t- they turned him to the side, and he took the bonsai drop, and his ribs were crushed. Oh man, good. That was a good angle. Good angle. So uh, so that was that was pretty much it for the Survivor Series report because there wasn't much to report except for that the uh, the All Americans uh, are gonna might be down a guy. Who thought it'd be a good idea to have these high pitched screams leading into these reports like? 
the roller coaster screams. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, the, I'm listening with the headphones on, so it's like this piercing in my ear. My like, God, horrible. Uh, Vince is in the ring and he starts to interview the foreign fanatics. Jim Cornette calls Tatanka by the name of Tatanto. And they set up Ludwig Borga against Scotty Steiner next week on Raw. So the the, uh, the next match is Mr. Perfect against uh, the Executioner. And we've kind of seen these matches with Perfect where, he, you know, he he's... Uh, Sometimes he looks like he's a little bit bothered. Maybe he's a little bit moody. And with this match against the Executioner, he just kept doing uh, spinning uh, toe holds and wrenching the knee and putting the guy's toe in his mouth and just forever and ever and ever. And I was just like wondering, like, that didn't even lead up to your finish, though Heenan was trying to explain that, you know, when you lock that leg on the perfect plex, like having a weakened leg will uh, will stop him from kicking out. No one kicks out of the perfect plex anyway, so who cares? But, uh, but you know, there was a Chief J Strongbow reference, and then Vince is like, well, actually, I don't know if I've ever seen J Strongbow use that move. And so... The Indian just Deathlock. Right, and so... Um, long match and finally hits the perfect plex. But what's going on? Like, what what was Mr. Perfect was just on one? Like, what was the deal? I think this was that long match they always have in the middle of the show where they start promoting stuff. Yeah, but they didn't really promote much. It was mostly no. just uh, just kind of having a conversation about Indians and, like I said, G- <laughs> the, the 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 leg holds and stuff. It was kind of just. Uh, it was like you know, Perfect there to stretch some time out so they can get over something, and and they just they didn't. They didn't really talk other than just having a little goof-off between... And then Bobby Heen's birthday, who's all going to be there, right? Exactly. Vince Coleman. And, uh, Vin- what what did Coleman do in 1993? I, I was trying know. to figure it out. <laughs> There's a lot of references. I'm trying to remember where they were, but he was throwing stuff out there, like, left and right. The Elvis stamp, you remember that? Like, that was a uh-huh. big deal. And, um, yeah, it was... Yeah, but Perfect looked good. He also took a nice little hip toss with the guy. That was cool. But, uh, yeah, it was just a long match, and... Um, yeah, it was kind of like kind of nothing. All right, so my quick Google search uh, leads me to a New York Times article from July 26, 1993, and it says, Vince Coleman, the Mets left fielder, threw a firecracker from a parked car at Dodger Stadium late Saturday afternoon, and the Los Angeles Fire Department is investigating whether the incident was connected to injuries reported by three fans who had attended the game. A 33-year-old woman, an 11-year-old boy, and a 1-year-old girl was subsequently treated for injuries at local hospitals, according to a spokesman, spokesman for the arson division of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Could Vince McMahon, or Vince McMahon, could Vince Coleman have tossed a firecracker at fans during the end of a baseball game? Interesting. Maybe that had to be what Bobby was talking about. All right, so um Let's uh, let's move on in this show. Uh, so uh, after that match, we get another Double J promo. He gets a little interesting, saying that he's men on the mission. He wants them to be homeless, which not a good look, Double J. Um, though I'm was very Razor Italian. 
I guess. <laughs> or like, no, he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be. Uh, didn't he say another Italian, Razor Ramon? I know he said another Italian in Bill Ray Cyrus, but then I think at the end of the thing he say something about Razor Ramones after that. Like that was kind of funny. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Isn't Razor Ramon supposed to be Cuban? That's right. What I thought. All right, I don't know, but I am intrigued to see Double J get in the ring, but mostly to see him get his ass kicked. Like I think these are some pretty good heel promos. Um, and then in uh, in the second to the last match is the Smoking Guns versus Well Done. And you mentioned this last week, which is what the hell are Well Done wearing <laughs> into the ring? I never understood their gimmick. Were they supposed to be like Chippendales? They supposed to be gay? Like I think it was like a um, it was like a. Uh, it was it was a, a mix between the old like Jane Fonda workout uh, routine where she had like the the leggings and then on top of the leggings was like a bikini bottom and a g string kind of going up the butt and then you know these guys were um, you know were were supposedly I guess they're like workout guys because that's kind of what the, the the thing was but I don't know Wh- whatever it was it was. Very interesting, and they, they didn't do really anything gay. I mean, they hugged one time, but yeah, that was it. I, 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 just, I don't even remember them having really vignettes. I think they just were, they were hired us to be like mid card heel team. You well, know? They, they were protected in this match. Yeah, I mean, they they because they're so new. I think they didn't want to beat them like in their first appearance on Raw. Yeah, and the match was fine. It wasn't bad. It was a standard tag match. Nothing, you know. I you know I couldn't believe I didn't realize how big Steve Dolan well. Timothy Well and um, what's the other guy name? Gosh, I forget. Timothy Well and St- Stephen Dunn, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I realized how big those guys were because uh, you know, stand next to Rex Skeen, which was uh, Timothy Well, I believe. Um, next to Billy Gunn is about the same size, and Billy Gunn's yeah. a big dude. I mean, he doesn't look as jacked and massive as he will later on, but he's still a tall, tall, tall drink of water, as they say, and I was kind of, I was kind of like, wow! I didn't realize these guys were so big. And they're a solid team, you know. They're, they're, they're good. They're good. I, I like them. I like them in USWA uh, when they were Rex King and Steve Dahl and the Southern Rockers. They're the second version of the Southern Rockers. I forget the other gentleman's name in Portland. It's been a while. Um, something, something Peterson, I think. John Peterson or Daryl Peterson or something like that. So, but, uh, but yeah. Har- Harvey Whippleman causes a disqualification by pulling. I think he pulled Billy Gunn's leg as he went as he went to the ropes. Yeah, like Harvey with him, I thought was interesting too. That's why I was kind of thinking maybe the the uh, the gay angle or something like that. I thought that was kind of like a rib or something. I don't know. It just I just don't understand. I don't, I don't think, like I said, I don't think they had vignettes, right? I don't remember. I I, I mean, I I don't remember because I wasn't really watching. Superstars or challenge at this point. I was only watching Raw, so if it didn't happen on Raw, I probably didn't see Nick, it. Nick, if they had any vignettes, please tag me on Twitter. Yeah, let us know. Uh, he did tag us about the other day about the heart punch, uh, crushes heart punch. He says that is coming. Um, okay, so <clears throat> I think the, the my favorite part of this match is Bobby says, "Isn't it ironic that you're watching Well Done on Raw?" <laughs> and Vince was like, "Vince was like, well, what do you mean?" And he's like, you know, well done on Raw. And Vince is like, huh? Like Vince had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I think he and was sound. Sound. No, nah, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. That Vince was, if, if he was acting, he was not acting very well. 
I, I, but that was cracking me up. And like, Vince just being like, what? What are you talking about? I like when he, Bobby Heenan said they were good in, in rodeo in high school. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So uh, they interview Randy Savage. He's going to be back next week. You know, he's over the phone like they've been doing. And Bobby the Brain Heenan is making jokes about him because he lacerated his tongue. So he's pretending like his tongue is swollen and he can't talk. And Savage is like, dude, I'm going to be right next to you next week. So you better shut up. Uh, and so uh, he'll be back. And then we get the match that you've been hinting at during this review, which is <laughs> Adam Bomb against Virgil. And I like I guess Virgil is maybe a step of, a slight step above a, a job guy uh, in their eyes because he always gets a little bit of offense in these matches. But oh my God, like the offense was so bad. Like, Adam Baum, who is not, you know, he wasn't a fantastic wrestler at this point, but he just is like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, I think someone liked Virgil too much here and gave him a little bit too much. and It should have been a straight squash. He should have killed Virgil. You know, he could have snuck in another match, squash match on the show. I mean, arm dragging Adam Baum and... Adam Bomb scooting around, and why was Virgil running after Harvey Whippen just because he's a bad guy? Like, he is, is, there's no, Harvey did nothing to where Virgil needs to run and chase him, right? And at one point, he runs right by Adam Bomb. They do it again, and they get back in the ring, and then he goes and does this dive out. And I'm like, what the hell? Why did Adam Bomb just let him, like, wipe by? <laughs> when he just, I thought he was running around to get clotheslined, right? That old spot. But it wasn't. He just ran right by Adam Bomb. Then he got in the ring, and then he did a dive out. Oh, man, it just kept getting worse. And then that finish, the cross body where he's supposed to, I don't know, like, if Adam Bomb was supposed to knock him down. But he just ended up just running into Adam Bomb and crashing, and then the power bomb, that was it. And I'm like, holy cow, that was bad. God, Virgil sucked. I mean, I liked Virgil when he was the bodyguard. It was cool to see the baby face turn back in 91. But then, God, he just, like, like within months, I was like, man, I was, like, dreading virtual matches as a kid. And it was not a, he was not a favorite of mine. I thought he was really bad. Yeah, like, this this entire match is just uh, so silly. And, you know, he's he's doing all these dives and atom bomb. It's almost like, I, I'm just, you know, I'm watching this match. Obviously, I don't know. You know, I don't know really one thing about calling a match or working a match or calling in the ring or who, you know, what kind of instructions they were given in the ring uh, before the match. But I'm just like, why does Adam Bomb not just take over and just start beating this guy up so we can get to the finish? But obviously there's time cues and everything. But I was just so frustrated by uh, by how 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 much he gave Virgil and how much bad offense we got to see because it didn't make adam bomb look any good at all like he's supposed to he's supposed to get the rub here and you know he did get his finisher in at the end but it's just like oh like he's just allowed a shitty wrestler to beat him up for half of the match adam bomb's a guy needs protecting either you get him a guy that can work with him and do a long match with him or or you have a guy that that you know is not gonna be able to give a long match out of him so what do you do you do the opposite you squash him Right, and I don't understand. Like I said, I think someone was like sticking up for Virgil, and you know, kind of, you know, he's a long time vet here, long time in the company. Can't squash the guy and give him a little something. But if I was Vince, I'd be pissed. 
watching that. Yep. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was, honestly. Yep. Um, okay, so uh, what uh, there, obviously we already said, Scotty Steiner against Ludwig Borga next week. Crush is back in the ring. Macho Man is back. That's all they really talked about. So the only thing that I have to add from the Wrestling Observer is this week, actually a few days before this show, the Arn and Sid scissors incident happened. And this actually has like real repercussions for WCW because Sid Vicious is supposed to beat Big Van Vader at Starcade for the world title. And because of these injuries, he is out of that match. And who replaces him in that match? None other than the Nature Boy Ric Flair, who wins the title in Charlotte. Very memorable Starcade moment, which we've talked about on uh, the old We Want Flair podcasts, which I didn't want to actually mention because we got stuck and we stopped doing them, but um, just because of time. It wasn't because we didn't like them. I thought they were really fun. But, you know, if that whole thing, it, it was all because of this incident where Arn and Sid attack each other and beat the crap out of each other, and they both end up in the emergency room because uh, Sid's basically bragging about, uh, you know, holding out and not doing jobs and getting raises, and, and Arn at this point, he's just getting his, his deal cut a little bit, so Sid is just bragging, and they start fighting, and this has major repercussions for the uh, 1993 in WCW. That'd be something to see in like the Hidden Gems, like because they actually have footage of Sid with the title belt on, and as world champion. Interesting. That they never used because you remember back then. Yeah, they taped they all taped that TV like six months in advance. So there's a lot of stuff that was spoiled that you know a lot of people knew, you know, way before it happened. And yeah, stuff like where Sid was walking out with the belt on and all that kind of stuff had matches. As champion, never got aired because obviously they had to go a different route. So it'd be kind of a fun hidden gem stuff if you see that kind of stuff show up on the network. Yep, yep. Um, cool. So uh, we will. Uh, yeah, that's it from here. Um, we will be back next week. It will be the sort of the uh, the build to or the go home to full gear. Um, and it's kind of going to be an interesting week because we're also going to go to a house show, a New Japan house show in San Jose on that Saturday. So, you know, we, we won't talk, be able to talk about that because we'll record Thursday night. But there's a lot of stuff coming up next week that will make it a pretty fun week. And, Is that next week you know, already? Yeah, it's next week. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, so we'll you know, we'll be back and... You know, we're getting close to Thanksgiving and then Christmas and, and uh, a lot of fun time of the year, end of the year, and then it's going to be 2020. What the hell? Baby number three. Oh, baby number three. Man. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, that is it from here. So we will we will be back next week. For John, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.